the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life? So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to law with brother. And that before unbelievers? Even without unpacking this text, I think it's safe to assume that you all can already know how Paul feels about going to a court of law. But this morning, I want to give you five guiding principles regarding lawsuits. Five guiding principles regarding lawsuits. The contemptible action, lawsuits. The corresponding ability, we have been given the ability, the wisdom, the word to do it. The third point, the third guiding principle regarding lawsuits, we find in verse 4, and that is the contradictory appointment. The contradictory appointment, and he goes back to the unbelievers. He says, so if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? And see, you see, the underlying principle here is that church or Christianity is not just one part of our job. We have the Christianity, which is one slice of the pie, and then we have our occupation, which is one slice of the pie. We have our family, which are one another slice, and you understand what I'm saying. No, Christianity, our faith in God is the whole pie, and everything else that the Lord puts in your life, from jobs to kids to education to whatever, is all to to be lived out in faithfulness to Christ. And so what he's saying here is just because it's a lawsuit, just because it's money, just because it's property that has nothing to do with the church per se, doesn't mean you can compartmentalize your life and say this is this slice and this belongs in a court of law, not in the church. And he makes a great picture here. See, when we have the secular law courts handle our disputes, we as members of the body of Christ are allowing those who have no standing whatsoever in the body of Christ to have jurisdiction over our lives. And that shouldn't be the case, at least some part of our lives. They say, well, it's just a small thing. It's, 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 it's just this little contract. I can go to court. It's not a big deal. I'm not really giving a, a secular judge great jurisdiction over my whole life. But it's a part of your life that's important enough for you to go to court. So it's clearly significant for you. 
It's not just that Paul is saying that they aren't part of the church by describing them as no account or no standing in the church. He's not just saying, why would you, ha- why would you go to a secular court of law and have people over you that are not in the church? No, no, no. He's using a word that means to consider as nothing, to despise, to reject with contempt. This is not just judges in particular. Right? This isn't just this context. We, we know this is the reality of how the Bible describes all unbelievers who have rejected God. And by the way, speaking of biblical descriptions of non-Christians, let's take a few more and attach this to the reality of what you are doing when you take a matter like this to a court of law and having this person adjudicate a part of your life. God calls them lawless The Bible calls them darkened, blind, without excuse, evil, unwise. We've talked about this throughout 1 Corinthians. They don't have the wisdom of God. So why would you willingly put them over your dispute and then submit to their decision? They have rejected our values, and they have adopted completely different standards. Now, in all of this, I want to make a very important side note. It's a side note that we've brought up in the last almost four years. This is very important. And perhaps for Christians even more so the previous eight years. Paul is not attacking any government official or the judge's legal standing within the government. Nor is he giving allowance for rebellion or lawlessness or even disrespect toward judges or any government authority. In fact, he is quite clear in Romans 13 that we are to submit to their authority and to show them respect, regardless of if they follow your party lines. But what we're talking about here is not an obligatory need to submit, again, as you would if you committed a crime. Because these are issues or disputes that should be solved, if not by the disputing Christians themselves, then by the church. In other words, if we're talking about a legal, uh, in a legal way, these are cases that we willingly bring before a judge. You see, no crime has been committed. You were just sold a lemon, and so a cop's not going to come to your door and drag you to court over that unless the other brother initiated that, you see. And here are the Corinthians willingly running to secular judges in matters that they need not have authority over. We are, in essence, appointing them over our situation despite them having a completely different mindset, a completely different morality, and a completely different God. This appointment contradicts our very being and beliefs. It's a contradictory appointment. Who we should be appointing, not in an official sense, are other believers within the church. And this leads us to our fourth guiding principle regarding lawsuits, the clear answer. The clear answer. Look at verse 5. I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? So Paul started by expressing his shock and disappointment about these lawsuits in verse 1. 
he further emphasizes this with the phrase, to your shame. He's saying that what they, should, what they have done, they should be embarrassed for. And they're still doing it. They're running. They're running to the courts of law. They are not exhibiting love. They're not exhibiting Christian character. It's embarrassing, he says. This is, this is your shame. This is shameful. And the reality, he goes on to say, is that there are people in the church that can decide on these matters. Any believer, any believer who is walking with the Lord and seeks counsel from God's Word and the Holy Spirit has the tools necessary to settle a disagreement between two believers more competently than the most highly esteemed, trained, and experienced unbelieving judge when it comes to these matters. Because you will bring in the same belief system regarding that money, how they should view money and property and things like that, to the case. Any of us could do it. We aren't even talking about a a pastoral committee or the elder board or setting up some special group of uh, those who are lawyers or who, are, who are, uh, have an understanding of the law or finances or property rights. This is just life on life, brother to brother. This is family. This is why our small group leaders are facilitators. They are facilitating a discussion so that you guys can help each other. Iron sharpens iron. We do have this mindset where there's the law and then there's just relationships. And again, in many important areas, specifically criminal activity, that is very, very important. If you come to me, and tell me, say, Pastor, you know, I need you to do something. We want this handled in the church. My husband beat our child to the point that he'd go to the hospital. I will handle it by taking him to the police station. This is not what we're talking about. But when it comes to civil matters, you can't just say, well, there's the law and there's the church. Separation of church and state. That's not even the issue. Because as we were looking at a few weeks ago, if you have the ability, if you have the authority, if you have the responsibility, which you have all three of, to confront sin, then surely you can do this. And please, to borrow terminology from the Apostle Paul, don't you dare tell me that your fight over inheritance, even if it's millions of dollars, is more significant to you than sin and the dealing of sin. Don't you dare tell me that. Here's the point. Christians should be able to decide on these matters. And you say, well, we've tried. And we've come to a stalemate. We just can't come to a decision. Pastor, what would you say to that? 
Well, then in that case, I would have to say Christians should be able to decide on these matters. Again, this is not necessarily sin. Now, there's usually sin involved when people are fighting over things like this, but just having a disagreement over something physical is not sin in and of itself. But it's the same principle. Obviously, I would say more. But if you just say, you know, I've really grown, I've gotten everything together, but I still explode at my husband and that's just how it's going to be, I would say the same thing. You are a born-again believer. You should be able to handle that. You should be able to repent and deal with that. But I can't. You should be able to repent of that. But I've tried. I can't. You should be able to repent of that. See? But we can. It's a lot of money. You don't understand. He cheated me. We should be able to deal with this situation. Okay? And of course, I gave you a little preview. It's got to include the right hard attitude that we're going to see next week where he says, why don't you just take the hit? Why can't you just prefer your brother over yourself? Okay? And we'll talk more about that next week. Well, we've seen four of the five guiding principles regarding lawsuits. The fifth one is the catastrophic alternative. The catastrophic alternative. We've seen the contemptible action, the corresponding ability, the contradictory appointment, the clear answer, which is just really bouncing back and forth, saying don't go to court, the Christians can do it, and here we bounce back. He says all of this is true, it's contemptible, you have the ability to do it, you should be doing it, but, verse 6, brother goes to law with brother, and that before unbelievers. In other words, it's bad enough to have a disagreement with another believer, but that's life. Disputes happen, but we make it much worse when we take them to court. Bad becomes worse. Worse becomes worse when we take our pride and greed and selfishness and insistence that we are right and the accompanying tactics of manipulation that we use and we bring it into the public eye to the court system. And that's, again, a preview for next week. This is part of the problem, that it's our pride. He's not going to do this. I'm going to make him do it because I'm right. I'm going to get my way. What they're doing is wrong. What he's doing is wrong. I am going to do it my way. And if the church isn't going to do it, I'm going to make the court force them to do it. It's pride. It's selfishness. It's saying that I'm right and they're wrong. And this is another reason we need to take it to the church. I have no doubts. I don't think it would happen in our church, but I have no doubts that people follow this and they just can't come to a decision. One person doesn't agree. The elders get involved. They won't submit to the elders. They won't listen to the pastor, and so they go to court. Because no matter what someone says, they, they insist that they're right. I deserve to be able to have access to this and to that. And then you go to court. And I've mentioned it all morning, but it would be helpful to point out why, why the different values and morality of the secular court system make it wrong to use them in such cases. Keeping in mind that even a Christian judge is bound to the law of the land in his ruling. So even a Christian judge, 
He looks at a contract or whatever has to rule according to the law and cannot take into account what I'm about to say. When you go to a secular court of law, they care about remediation. They don't care about your heart. They don't care about if you're sinning in your heart. They won't call it sin. They care, of course, if you're going to get violent over it, but they don't care about your heart. They don't care about your greediness, your selfishness, your pride. They just care about the result. Here's another reason. Their entire concern is secular law and man-made justice rather than God's glory and God's justice. Their entire concern is secular law and man-made justice. Doing their job and doing it right. And we're thankful for that. But they are not concerned about God's glory. They're not going to rule and say, you know what? Legally, this is yours, but I'm going to give it to him because he's a weaker brother and we're we're to take care of them. They can't do that. They won't be a judge for very much longer. Thirdly, they're not concerned about spiritual growth. There's no long game here. Their goal is to end it. Go, see the bailiff, see the clerk, write the check, and we're done. There's no concern about spiritual growth when they make that ruling. Next, their job is to give someone what is rightfully theirs with no concern for future community and fellowship within those people's church. He may say that. My understanding is a judge has every right to say that and reprimand them and say, I'm going to do this, but understand what you're doing to your church. They could say that. Understand that you're breaking up this family, but decision goes to the plaintiff. They can't judge based on how it's going to affect the rest of us. The fact that after this, this guy's no longer come to church. This guy's going to resign his membership. This guy's going to step down from being an elder, whatever it may be. Cause a church split. Who knows? They don't care about that. At least not from a legal standpoint. Another reason. They're not focused on developing hearts of love, gratitude, and selflessness. They're not even concerned about the opposite. They don't even have an evil agenda of developing a a wicked heart of selfishness and discontentment. They're just going to look at the law and give the right person the right amount of money or property or whatever it is. They're not concerned about developing what I've referred to in the past as the big picture things, right? Love, gratitude. Let me give you more. Their rulings do not take into consideration the existence, let, not even the possibility, they they don't even take into consideration the existence of eternity, whether the horrors of hell or the glories of heaven. Even if they believe in it, they don't, has no place in the law. They're not going to adjudicate based on, well, you guys are going to worship together forever at the throne of grace, right? Testimony, evangelism, things like that. We are driven by that, you know that. It may not be a constant thought in your head, but we are driven by that in all that we do. 
Perhaps more now than ever as you think about the, uh, the, the frailty of life under, under COVID and ravaging fires. I know where I'm going. And finally, their rulings do not even take into consideration the existence of God, let alone our call to honor Him. I understand perhaps not now, and maybe it varies from court to court, but historically there has been lip service, a nod to God and the Bible. Put your right hand on the Bible, right, historically. But you know that it, they can't rule. They rule according to the law of the city, the county, the state, the country. The existence of God does not matter to them. And, of course, there could be more. Look, when there's tension between individuals and the church, we understand the damage it does to our relationships and the fellowship within the body. Not only are those outside of the church unable to understand this, they don't even care to. Not that they don't care. They don't even care to understand that. Give me the contract. Give me the pictures of the damage. There's no, okay, tell me about how you know each other. And according to the beliefs of that organization, you say it's a church, okay, what are you supposed to do in your interpersonal relationships because that's going to determine what I say. No, they don't care. Do you have the paperwork? Do you have the pictures? Do you have the contract? Do you have the recording? Do you have the text messages? So that's, that's it. I mean, imagine taking your blood relative, your sibling, not even the church, maybe, maybe they're not even believer. Imagine taking your sibling to court. He said, yeah, you know, when our grandparents said we all get inheritance, and I actually did that. We had to do that. We inherited this land, and we didn't know how much was what. She, grandma forgot to write it down in her will, and so we went to court. And so, you know, it doesn't really hold water for me, Pastor. It, I have done that. Really, how how's that work out for you? Talking with your siblings more than ever now? Family bonds stronger than ever now? Never used to call. Now he calls all the time. I think not. But you got the land. This is what Paul is saying. This is, this is, this is why this is so horrific to him. We're talking about destroying community bonds within the family of God. Unity is more important. Testimony is more important. Saltiness of the salt is more important. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. How much is it worth to you? We've been saying this, I could argue I've been saying this ever since I became a Christian. It's prioritizing the things of God over the things of this earth. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 6. Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more matters of this life? 
So if you have law courts dealing with matters of this life, do you appoint them as judges who are of no account in the church? I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not among you one wise man who will be able to decide between his brethren? But brother goes to law with brother. And that before unbelievers? Five guiding principles regarding lawsuits. The contemptible action, lawsuits. The corresponding ability, we have been given the ability and wisdom, the word to do it. The contradictory appointment, you are in essence bringing a secular judge into the fold of God to make a decision. The clear answer, we can do it. If not just the two people at odds, if not the church, others in the church. And the catastrophic, catastrophic alternative going to the courts. Let's pray. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.